Yes. Um, so we were again having issues today. Like, I don't know what's going on, but our audio things are just, um, not happy with us the past two weeks. Not at all. Um, a lot of technical difficulties, but we're pushing through. Yes. So yeah, we're sharing a mic again, different mic this time, because then the other one wouldn't work. So, you know, hopefully next week when we come back, it'll just all be solved and, uh, we'll be back to, uh. However, it was working before. <laughs> yeah, so we noticed a new comment review. Um, if you listen on Al- Apple Podcasts, um, it was on there. Um, we just kind of wanted to address it. It wasn't like a bad comment, but it wasn't great either. No, it was, um, we accepted it respectfully, though. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, no, we did not take it in a negative way, um, but we did want to address it just so people can see that we do take advice seriously that is given to us yeah yeah definitely it said like um something about kids in the background or people in the background asking questions and i think they were listening to um one episode in particular the judith uh, barcy episode i'm pretty sure that they were probably talking about yes and we just wanted to clarify um my daughter had been having a hard day a hard week um just to you know back to the school bully stuff which there are episodes on that um and then she had been sitting with me while i was doing a lot of the research and she was just kind of asking questions and she was very intrigued um she does kind of get into the crime aspect of life with us sometimes um so we had asked her if she wanted to be a part of the episode it was a one-time thing she's not going to be a third party to this um, obviously there are some shows that she probably shouldn't even listen to. But, some more intense. <laughs> but we just want to clarify that uh, that was just kind of a, a one and done thing. It was kind of more to boost her day to let her feel a part of something. She was supposed to sound a little bit louder. She's a very meek child and got very shy. So I feel like that's why it seemed like it was a background thing. We did kind of try to get her by a microphone, but I think she just pulled herself back like right yeah but i mean i i think that since that person might have just only listened to that episode so maybe they just thought it was like a normal occurrence so if that's you it was just you know a one-time thing right but she did say that they liked our content so that was a plus yes and we do try to thrive on picking less saturated stories that's kind of part of our thing aside with the horror movies that's our other thing um but we do appreciate the comment no matter what it said because we are trying to learn from our mistakes and as far as the sound we thought we were getting better until the last couple weeks we found some difficulties but um we are working on it very quickly i may have to order new microphones for us Maybe time to upgrade to some better ones. Right, yeah. Hopefully the issues will just dissipate too, just to make it even easier. So, in other news, we both saw the new Scream movie. I was impressed. Same. We didn't see it together, no, sadly. Crystal has other friends, apparently. <laughs> I don't know who these friends are. But... I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. I liked it. I was not disappointed. I feel like it, like, held up to what a Scream movie is all about. 
I like that they brought the old people back. And must I say, Nev Campbell, she looks like she's aging pretty well. Oh, yeah. Like, she great. I think it's because she didn't have a lot of work done that some of the other people are doing in life. True. Sometimes it's like, the it has like reverse bad effects if you get too much work done, I feel. But I did like it. I like the girl power, women fight back thing they did. Um, yeah, I like that it didn't start or it wasn't her they were stalking. She just came back to help. Right, yeah. But I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to spoil it because it's still new. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say something. Good thing you just said that because I was going to say something that I was kind of sad about, but I'm not going to even say it now because, yeah, people might not have seen it. But it's I, definitely worth going to see. Yeah, 100%. And sad news. So Meatloaf died. We're losing celebrities I pretty know. quick. Um, I remember going to karaoke with my sister and uh, we would sing um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Okay. I don't, I'm not super familiar okay. with his music. I know a couple of them, but I don't know if I know that one. Okay. I think he also, didn't he do two out of three ain't bad? Uh, I, and maybe. The one that I can think of, and it's not even like I can remember the song name. I can only remember the music video because it was so odd to me. He was like on stage performing with a girl. And then they just, like, started making out in the middle of the music video. And then they both started, like, freaking out, like, performing again like crazy. That sounds like it would have been Dan Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Okay, maybe think. that was that. But you probably know at least uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, I do know that one, yes. The whole running joke, like, what won't he do? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was also told by my mom yesterday that Louis Anderson died as well. I, I can't think of who that is okay i remember actually watching the cartoon i think like with louie um he was in what's that coming to america ferris bueller's day off i don't remember him in a lot of these movies i which is weird because i love ferris bueller's day off but i just can't place him in it at the second um i recognized him more of like his stand-up comedian he did okay his stand-up jokes he always made a lot of fat jokes like about himself okay um, but yeah, either way, it was, uh, it was sad. Yeah, 2022 um, is just taking a lot of people really quickly, apparently. Yeah, so, uh, all you celebs, lay low for a little bit. I know, take it easy. My gosh. But oh. we still have our Dax Shepherd with us, thank yes. God. So, hey Dax. Hi Dax. <laughs> and Monica. Hey Monica. Robbie Rob. The whole crew. <laughs> you can go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I also saw Hairspray Live this weekend. Okay. And it was so good. Like, I don't know if you're into, like, musicals and stuff like that. I love going to see, like, plays and, like, musicals and shows like that. My favorite one that I've probably ever seen was, like, Wicked. on Because okay, yeah. I actually saw it in New York, so that was really cool, but... The Hairspray Live one was really awesome, and we made it just in time because there were two shows on Saturday, and we went to the afternoon one, and the night one was canceled because one of the actors, I guess, tested positive for COVID. So like, then everybody, right? Seriously, so we like just missed it because they canceled it. So I'm like, oh, everyone's freaking getting it. I don't know. It's going around like crazy. <laughs> Sure is. Be careful. Be safe out there, people. I know. 
But yes, uh, before we get into today's info, uh, we're drinking, you guys probably already know it, our, fa- our favorite cupcake Moscato. I feel like we've had it a few times. Yes, um, this was a Christmas present to us from Tammy Holly, so if she ever takes the time to listen to our show. <laughs> I know, good friend, right? No, um, it was given to her, so thank you, Tammy. Thanks, Tammy. Um, so, yes, today we are talking about the famous and very loved Selena Quintanilla. Anything for Selena. Selena's. And I do want to apologize ahead of time. Um, we are going to read these names and a lot of stuff. And it is all Texas, Mexico, Corpus Christi. And um, we just want to remind you that we are the two whitest girls mm-hmm. that you will probably know. So our Mexican accent, it's not going to be there. It's non-existent. It's but we are really... going to do the best we can to yeah. not butcher it. So, um Yes. If anything, don't get mad. Just laugh at us. Yeah, yeah. Just make fun of us. We're totally fine with that. We just, we're not doing it on purpose or to be assholes. We're just, you know, not yeah, the greatest. We are. Yeah. Selena, what are you doing here? I'm looking up at the moon and I'm dreaming about, well, let's just say you wouldn't imagine what my dreams are like. I mean, when I saw those people applauding, Okay, so Selena was born on April 16th, 1971 in Lake Jackson, Texas. She was the youngest child of Marcella Ophelia Quintanilla, um, who had Cherokee ancestry, and Abraham Quintanilla Jr., who was a Mexican-American former musician. Um, And Selena was actually raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, Her father, Abraham, noticed her musical abilities when she was um, six years old. He told People Magazine, her timing, her pitch were perfect. I could just see it from day one. Abraham was in a band of his own when he was younger, and they tried to make it, you know, to the big times, and they didn't really get there. Um, They didn't sing Spanish music, and, you know, they lived in Texas where... A lot of people would have preferred them to sing in Spanish. Um, So I think he kind of, when he heard Selena singing, thought of this idea to get them together and form a band. He kind of like, I hate to say the word forced, but he kind of forced them to become this band and practice music. You know, like... They wanted to go outside and play and be regular kids, and they didn't really express the interest in becoming a band. It was more so Abraham's idea. So A.B. got a bass guitar as a gift one year, and Selena would hum along and make up some songs while he played. Well, Dad noticed. So what does he do? What any dad would do. Duh. (laughs) He bought a microphone for Selena, drums for Suzette, and made a soundproof room, and made them practice daily. Selena was nine years old when she started singing at her dad's restaurant. Her teachers were not liking this. 
She would show up to class exhausted, fall asleep. Um, her grades were suffering. And she just missed a lot of little normal girl stuff. Yeah. Um, Abraham actually opened this restaurant in 1981 in Lake Jackson. Um, and it was a Tex-Mex restaurant that he called Papagayo's. And like Lo just said, Selena and her siblings uh, performed there very often. Uh, but sadly, the following year, the restaurant was forced to close after a recession caused by the 1980s oil glut. Um, the family declared bankruptcy and they were evicted from their home. They settled in Corpus Christi, Texas. Abraham became the manager of the newly formed band, Selena y Los Dinos, and he began promoting it, um, you know, booking them gigs. You know, they needed the money, and they played on the street corners, weddings, quinceañeras, and fairs, just all over. That was kind of, like, their main source of income, like, at that time. Yeah, um, Abraham would go through many jobs, like, just nothing was stable for him. And at one point, it actually caused him to live in their van for a while. They were homeless because he just... He was so focused on making music, music, music was his thing that I don't think he, any regular nine-to-five job was satisfactory to him. Right. And, like, I, I get that, and obviously it worked out, you know, well for them. But at the time, you know, I feel like that's got to be so tough. Like, he's hopping around from job to job, and they're, like, living in a van, you know. I mean. Down by the river. <laughs> right. Like what are the what's the i guess i don't know the drawing point like how far would he have gone you know but i mean it worked out so i guess that that, that was fine um but yeah as her popularity uh as a singer grew the demands of her performance and travel schedule began to interfere with her education kind of like lo was saying how her teachers were all really concerned for her her father took her out of school when she was in the eighth grade, um, her teacher, Marilyn Greer, she disapproved of Selena's musical career, and she threatened to report Abraham to the Texas Board of Education, believing the conditions to which Selena was exposed were inappropriate for a girl her age. Um, Abraham told the teacher to mind her business, so he was not having it. Um, and, yeah, at 17, Selena earned a high school diploma from the American School of Correspondence in Chicago, and she was also accepted at Louisiana State University. She enrolled at Pacific Western University, taking up business administration as her major subject. So her schooling, I feel like it started out pretty rough um, when she was first starting, but clearly, I guess, you know, she went pretty far in her education and was still dedicating time to it i think it helped i mean you'll see it later in the show but she wanted to be in fashion business so i'm wondering if that played a little bit in the back of her mind she might not have expressed it to like her parents for sure probably not her dad right but i'm wondering if even at that of an age she knew she wanted to be in the fashion so i'm wondering if that's what pushed her to stay as well as she could in school right probably if that was like her main passion in life i'm sure that definitely was a motivation for for her um but yeah 
her father refurbished an old bus. Um, he named it Big Bertha, which love that name. <laughs> and yeah, the family used it as their tour bus, um, kind of traveling all over to do gigs. And in the first year of touring, the family, uh, they sang for food and they barely had enough money to pay for gas for the bus. In 1984, Selena recorded her first LP record, Selena y Los Dinos, for Freddie Records. Um, despite wanting to record English language songs, Selena recorded Tejano music, um, which at the time was a male-dominated Spanish language genre with like German influences of polka, jazz, and country music. And it was kind of popularized by Mexicans living in the United States around that time. And Abraham believed Selena should record musical compositions related to her heritage. Um, yeah, so Selena didn't know Spanish. She, like, grew up only learning English. So during the recording sessions for the album, she had to learn Spanish phonetically with guidance from her father. Um, so, like, which is just so crazy to me. Like, she didn't know a lick of Spanish, but she became so successful in the... Spanish world of music um, and again another way her dad was kind of controlling making her take this avenue of music even though she wanted to sing in English and make you know popular English songs um, in 1985 to promote the album Selena appeared on the Johnny Canales show um, which was a popular Spanish language radio program um, and she continued to appear on it for several years. She was discovered there by musician Rudy Trevino, who was the founder of Tejano Music Awards, uh, where she won the Female Vocalist of the Year Award in 1987 and continued to win it for nine consecutive years after that. The band was often turned down by Texas music venues uh, because of the members' ages and because Selena was their lead singer because it was, you know, male-dominated, so... A little bit of sexism going on there. Her father was often told by promoters that Selena would never be successful because she was a woman in a genre historically dominated by men. Um, by 1988, Selena had released five more LP records, Alpha in 1986, uh, Munequito de Trapo in 1987, uh, and the winner is 1987, and Precocia 1988. Um, so she had quite the discography uh, already by that point. And she was still young. So Jose Bihar of newly formed label EMI Latin Records, together with the new head of Sony Music Latin, watched Selena perform at the 1989 Tejano Music Awards. Um, Bihar was searching for new Latin acts and wanted to sign Selena to EMI's label Capital Records, while Sony Music Latin offered uh, Abraham's twice capital signing fee. Bahar thought he had discovered the next Gloria Estefan, um, but his superior called Bihar illogical because he had been in South Texas less than a week. So that guy was wrong, as we uh, as we all can know now. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so Abraham ultimately chose EMI Latin's offer because of the potential for a crossover album. Um, and he wanted his children to be the first musicians to sign to that label. Uh, before Selena began recording for her, her debut album, Bihar and Stefan Fienfer uh, requested a crossover album for her. She recorded three English language compositions for the heads of EMI's pop division. 
Bahar and Fiendfur's request for a crossover album was ultimately denied, and uh, Selena was told that she needed a bigger fan base to sell such an album. So Selena was like, hold my drink. <laughs> Give me a minute, I got this. <laughs> Bahar thought EMI Records and the public did not believe that a Mexican-American woman could have a crossover potential after um, the Charles Coplin denied the project originally. So she then released her self-titled debut album on October 17th, 1989, and the singer recorded most of the songs at uh, Amen Studios in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Sukiyaki and My Love were recorded at Sunrise Studios in Houston, and Selena wrote My Love, and she wanted the song to be included on the album. Her brother, A.B., became Selena's principal record producer and songwriter for most of her musical career. And then it was probably a smart choice on Selena's end by having him do it because I feel like he was doing more of the upbeat pop culture. Yeah. Um, but I did read as well that um, Selena um, would help with the ideas of the song and A.B. would put it Okay, he would, together. like, lay down the tracks for it. Yeah, I mean, he did write some of them. She kind of gave him help with concepts of some of the songs. Okay, gotcha. They did collaborate. But, yeah, he did do a lot of producing and writing of her music. So they were definitely a dream team. And I feel like that's, I don't know, nice that it get, stayed in the family. Um, but, yeah, Selena peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums Chart, uh, becoming Selena's first recording to debut on a national music chart. Uh, the album performed better than other recordings from the uh, contemporaneous female Tejano singers. In the same year, Coca-Cola wanted Selena to become one of their spokespeople in Texas. Uh, the jingle was used in her first two commercials for the company. Um, it was composed by A.B. and Chris Perez. He later joined Selena y Los Dinos um, several months earlier as the band's newest guitarist. Chris Perez began having romantic feelings for Selena once he joined the band, um, despite having a girlfriend in San Antonio at the time. He just couldn't resist Selena. Um, after a trip down to Mexico with the band, uh, Perez thought it would be best for them to both distance himself from her. But he found that impossible and chose to try to build a relationship with her. They expressed their feelings for each other, um, actually at a Pizza Hut restaurant, and shortly afterward became a couple. Chris and Selena hid their relationship because Abraham was very, very controlling and he would not approve of that and would try to break them up. Yeah, um, so Selena didn't pay any mind to Chris for two years while he was in the band, actually. Um, you'll see a part in the movie where they kind of gave him the makeover and, mm -hmm. you know, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> She's know. feeling him then. So, yeah, you know, um, so that kind of like, you know, she's seen them after they kind of fixed them up and she's like, okay. But that was really like the only mind she paid to him. So, um, fast forward about two years later, um, that's when she actually even started like a closer than friendship with him. And then... They went from there. They'd go out and have, you know, lunch and, you know, do whatever, spend some time together. And that's when she was just like, okay, now I see you, yeah. you know. And they actually fell in love. Um, she confided in A.B. about it, actually. And funny enough, um, A.B. went to Chris 
And I was like, dude, what do you think about my sister? You know, and she's like, she cool, you know. Like, what's he going to say? Like, she's paying my bills. You know? Right. You know, um, he's like, no. He's like, what do you think of my sister? And he's like, oh, oh okay. He's like, um, she's beautiful, yeah, but, uh, dude, your dad ain't going to have it. Like, I'm a musician. They, they don't like guys like us. You know, dads don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so A.B.'s like, nah, don't worry about it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, fast forward some time, like, R.O. Speedwagon once said, can't fight these feelings. <laughs> and so began Slinot and Chris. Man, that's, like, just so sad that her dad had such an effect on, like, their relationship. Because clearly they both cared so deeply about each other. Yes. Yeah, so they kept it a secret, um, and while that was going on, Selena released her second studio album, Ven Conmigo, in September of 1990. Three tracks from Ven Conmigo were released as singles, uh, Yavez, La Traxelera, <laughs> so sorry guys <laughs> if I'm saying these all wrong, and Baila Esta Cumbia. Um, the latter, a Tijano Cumbia song became one of Selena's most successful singles. Its popularity grew in Mexico, where a compilation album um, bearing the single's name was released. And it was certified platinum by the Asociación Mexicana de Productores de Fonogramas y Videogramas <laughs> fan club in 1991. Get it, girl. <laughs> Need a sip of wine after that. Yep. Um, I took... I took two years, two to three years of Spanish in high school, guys, so. This is why she took the lead on the Selena side. So so I'm trying. (laughs) And at the time, a registered nurse and fan named Yolanda Salvador, uh, who we will be hearing lots more about soon, um, she asked Cantania Jr. to start a fan club in San Antonio. And Salvador had the idea after uh, she attended one of Selena's concerts. Um, so Ab- Abraham, like, approved of her request. Um, he believed that the fan club would bring more exposure for the band. Um, and Yolanda soon became a close friend to Selena and the family, and she was trusted and actually became the acting president of the fan club in 1991. So, so yeah, she had a big part in the growing fan base, I guess you could say. So that same year, uh, Salvadoran singer Alvaro Torres composed a duet that he wanted to record with Selena. Uh, the song Buenos Amigos was produced by Enrico Ilanzando and was released on Torres' 10th studio album, Nada Se Compra Contigo. Um, and the song Buenos Amigos peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Top Latin Song charts, giving Selena her first number one single. Um, the song's music video earned Selena and Torres two nominations at the 1992 Billboard Music Awards. So this is kind of where she was starting to slowly make her crossover, just slightly. Uh, that track enabled Selena to tour the west and east coasts of the United States and was helped by increased airplay on regional Mexican and Tejano radio stations, um, which had previously dismissed her recording, so she was like, um, I showed you. And Selena's sister, Suzette, she actually caught Selena and Chris flirting with each other and immediately informed their father, which I'm like, girl, Suzette, why do you got to do that? (laughs) Why'd you have to do that to her? 
Shady. Yo, right. If I had a horn, like a fog horn, something, <laughs> shady. Right. Like, like, why did she do that? <laughs> you know, Selena was so sheltered in life. Like, she didn't have friends. She didn't have a childhood. She didn't have that, you know. So, Suzette was supposed to be her best friend, her confidant, mm-hmm. her person, her, you know, you would think anyway. And the fact that, yeah, I was not happy when I heard that information. I'm like, really? I know. I just thought, was she jealous? And, like, that was, like, her reaction? Because why would she? I don't know. I don't understand why she would I mean, do that. Maybe, but, yeah, I don't know. What also kind of confused me was, like, the way that um, her dad found out about their relationship. Or, no, I don't know. It happened different in the movie, like one of the other guitar players walked in on them, like, kissing in the back of the tour bus. Yeah, and he was like, but they, he's like, you know, hey, man, you're cool. I ain't gonna say nothing. Mm-hmm. He's like, but Abraham ain't gonna like this. And Abraham, they made it look like Abraham just kind of seen it, like, while they were playing cards and while they were just, like, you know, touchy-feely, flirty, giggly. Like, he got, like, a sense about and it. And then he pulled it over and he's like, okay, okay, everybody off the bus but you guys. Right. <laughs> yeah, um... So, yeah, he, Abraham flipped out after Suzette told him, um, and like you just said, he forced Chris off the bus, and he was like, your guys' relationship is over. Which, can I say, this really angers me. It's just another possessive, controlling moment from Abraham, and he had a lot of them with mm-hmm. Selena. Yeah, like, literally her whole life. I, yeah, I, I don't understand, like, and they were like, I feel like they were over 18 at this point no i think that they were so like i would be like sorry dad i'm a freaking adult (laughs) like but i know i i don't know their relationship was different i guess but yeah he was very controlling um but yeah chris and selena continued their relationship despite her father's disapproval they you know continued it in secret and selena's mother marcella um however she did approve of their relationship um, and after they were hiding it for a bit of time, Abraham saw Selena and Chris romantically together on the bus after he informed them of his disapproval. Uh, he ended up pulling over and an argument between him and Selena kind of started, um, and sprung from that. Um, he called Chris a cancer in my family, which like, that's like a horrible thing to say to anybody. And he threatened to disband the group if they continued their relationship. Uh, Selena and Chris said, you know, no, we love each other and we're staying together. So then her father ultimately fired Chris from the band and prevented Selena from leaving with him. Um, After his dismissal, again, Chris and Selena secretly continued their relationship. So it was a little harder, I'm sure, for them to continue it um, because he wasn't on tour with them anymore. But they found ways. They met up the cities that they were touring at and everything like that but yeah another just i i don't know it's way too controlling when he said he would break up the band i'm sitting here thinking like girl it's your voice you are the band you are the star like mm-hmm. the voice goes with you i mean so you're the talent you can't take that away you can hire a new band i mean They'd be up to A.B. to not go with you or Suzette not go with you, which I'm pretty sure, like, A.B. probably would have. Like, they're, Oh, for sure. You know, I don't know. But I would have been like, you know what? 
peace, Dad. I'm out of here then. Call his bluff. But then again, what do I know? I'm a bitter bitch. So. <laughs> I guess I'm a bitter bitch too because I would have done the same thing. <laughs> like, exactly. She was the reason that they were so successful and she was the talent and bringing in all the money. Like, obviously he went over logistics and stuff, but she could have hired someone else who would have done just as good of a job of him. Maybe even better. I don't know. But yeah. We're, we're just bitter bitches over here. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. On the morning of April 2nd, 1992, Selena and Chris, uh, they decided to elope. Um, you know, they believed that Abraham would never approve of their relationship and they loved each other. They just wanted to get married. Selena thought her father would have to accept them if they were married and, you know, they wouldn't have to hide their feelings for each other anymore. Um, but within hours of them getting married, the media announced the couple's elopement, and it was, like, all over the news. Uh, Selena's family tried to find her, and her dad did not take the news very well, and he actually ended up alienating himself for some time. I think he was just, like, raging, <laughs> like, so mad. Yeah, that's me sticking my tongue out, because you know what? That's your bad, Abraham. Like, I'm sorry, again, I get spiteful, I... I don't know. I'm an Aries. I'm hard-headed. I'm a ram. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you kind of caused this. Like, Oh, 100%. They, if he would have accepted their relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend, I don't think they, they would not have gotten married as quickly as they did. Um, but, yeah, that's how the cookie crumbled, I guess. <laughs> so Selena and Chris moved into an apartment in Corpus Christi. Um, and in interviews, Abraham expressed how he, like, his fear of Chris, how he could be a machista, uh, which is Spanish for a male chauvinist um, who would force Selena to end her career and her musicals, um, a move that prevented Abraham to accept Chris as being suitable for Selena at the time. So basically, he just didn't trust him for no reason. Chris gave him no reason not to trust him. It, Abraham was just, like, paranoid in his head. Um, however, Abraham later approached Chris, he apologized, and he accepted the marriage, and he took Chris back into the band. So, everything seemed to be going much better in that department of Selena's life. After Abraham, I feel like, had some time to kind of cool down. <laughs> yeah, and to call him, like, a potential chauvin, like, you're, you're putting something on him that he hasn't even done. Yeah. And he is a musician at home heart like he wants to be on that stage and he wants to play and music was his world and music was their common ground mm -hmm. so to see him to say hey you know i want you to stop performing like that would make him kind of stop performing for a minute mm -hmm. i mean and you know you'll see later in life even after selena passed he still played music he went out and mm -hmm. i think he just won a grammy for something or other i don't know we'll talk about that later but, yeah, I think that was a far reach to say, like, yeah. I think he, <laughs> I don't know, I think he used that, I mean, I'm sure he actually was scared about that, but there was, again, like Lo said, no, no reason to even think that. But, like, I also feel like he was just protective and, like, was like, no, she can't get married or, I don't know, like, especially when it was out of his control over someone he didn't want her to be with. 
think it was just fear of losing. His daughter was growing up, and he mm-hmm. wasn't ready to let go. And he has so much invested in the music world. Yeah. Like, as much as he might have been worried about Selena's career or whatever, I think a lot of it was, like, part. I, it sounds shady, and I hope I'm wrong, but part of me feels like he was more worried about, like, is his part in the music world going to end? No, know? I totally agree Maybe with he you. thought that Chris and them would eventually take over and wouldn't need him as a manager or, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. he would kind of be pushed out and Selena wouldn't need him. She could do it on her own. You know, just a lot of scenarios. That, yeah, I, that makes total sense to me. And I feel like that definitely could be a, a huge reason and why that happened. Um, but he did accept him, so I'm glad that, you know, kind of was peaches and cream in that area uh, at that point in time. But yeah, a month after her elopement, Selena released her third studio album, Entre Ami Mundo, in May 1992. Uh, the album was critically acclaimed as her breakthrough album. Uh, the recording peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums Chart for eight consecutive months. And it was certified 10 times platinum by the RIAA for a sales of 600,000 album equivalent units, while in Mexico, the album sold 385,000 units. It became the first Tejano album by a female artist to sell over 300,000 copies. Selena was booked for a high-profile border press tour in Monterey, Mexico, with music media types in meet-and-greet conferences, and at the time, Tejanos were looked down on as hayseed pochos um, among Mexican citizens which I don't know what that means but uh, it doesn't sound good. So yes um, I fact checked that for you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And it's slang in Spanish um, used in Mexico to describe Mexican Americans and Mexican immigrants. It is often used projectively to refer to Mexican expats or a person of Mexican ancestry um basically it's like a lack of fluency or the ability to speak spanish and knowledge of the mexican culture okay gotcha hopefully that's not like a horrible slur word that i just said (laughs) i or hopefully it's just like a nickname thing well or like not you weren't calling anybody that right you were just reading some facts and the fact that you said you didn't even know what it was you said. Yeah. So, and it's, I can promise you, KK does not walk around calling people that. No, never. So I, never I can vouch for you that thank you. you're good. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I guess that makes sense. They called her that because her Spanish was far from fluent. Um. EMI Latin executives were, they were terrified about Selena's limited Spanish during the press conference for the album in Mexico. Um, According to Petoskey, uh, Selena played her cards right because during a conference, um, she won over the Mexican media after newspapers um, hailed her as an artist of the people. Um, The newspapers found her to be a refreshing change from what they were used to seeing. So obviously, the language barrier wasn't much of an issue because her personality, you know, shined through and really won over the people. After her publicity press, Selena was booked to play at several concerts throughout Mexico, um, including a performance at Festival Acapulco in May of 93, 
which garnered her critical acclaim. Her performance in Nuevo Leon on September 17th was attended by 70,000 people, garnering her the title of the biggest Tejano act in Mexico. The album produced four singles, one being Como La Flor, which was critically acclaimed by music critics as a career launcher for Selena. Uh, that single actually helped Selena to dominate the Latin music charts and become immensely popular in Mexico, where Mexican-Americans were generally not liked among the citizens. Um, so she was really well-received by the critics. Um, and aside from music, in 1994, Selena began designing and manufacturing a line of clothing. She opened up two boutiques called Selena Etc., um, one in Corpus Christi and the other in San Antonio. Both were equipped with in-house beauty salons, um, which I did kind of, uh, I think it was an interview that I watched with her family, and they like joked that she just opened those so that she could get pampered all the time because she like loved to get her hair and makeup done and get dressed up and everything. Yeah, I think that was... That might have been the Oprah one. Maybe the maybe? Oprah one. I did watch that, so. Because I watched the Oprah one, too, and I heard that. So I'm guessing that might have been the same one we watched. Okay, yeah. Which I thought was funny. Um, I don't know. Just a funny note to add in. But um, by the end of 94, um, her boutiques had held two fashion shows to showcase their clothing line. Uh, Selena, alongside her band, Selena y Los Dinos held a concert after Selena Etc.'s second fashion show on December 3rd, 1994 at the Fair Arena in San Antonio. Uh, she was in negotiations to open more stores in Monterey, Mexico, and in Puerto Rico. So, um, back to Yolanda Saldivar. I, I, I always say that wrong. It's Saldivar, right? You know, it's... Saldivar. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yolanda. <laughs> she was, um, again, the creator and manager of Selena's fan club, who um, she ended up managing both boutiques after the Quintanilla family were impressed by the way she managed the fan club. Um, and Hispanic Business Magazine reported that the singer earned over $5 million from these boutiques. Um, she was ranked among the 20th wealthiest Hispanic musicians who grossed the highest income in 1993 and 1994. So you go, girl. Selena released her fourth studio album at that point, Amor Prohibido, in March 94. Um, the recording debuted at number three on the U.S. Billboard Top Latin American charts and number one at the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Album charts. Um, after peaking at number one on the top Latin albums, the album remained in the top five for the rest of the year and into early 1995, um, which was a big deal to stay that high up for so long. The album popularized Tejano music among a younger and wider audience than at any other time in the genre's history. Uh, the two singles, Amor Prohibido and No Me Quedes Mas, were the most successful U.S. Latin singles of 94 and 95. The album's commercial success led to a Grammy nomination for Best Mexican American Album at the 37th Grammy Awards in 1995. Selena was named one of Latin's most successful touring acts and broke barriers in the Latin music world. Uh, she was called the queen of Tejano music by many media outlets. Billboard magazine ranked Amor Prohibido among the most essential Latin recordings of the past 50 years 
and included it on its list of the top 100 albums of all time. Well, how many Grammys did Selena get? I'm glad you asked, KK. <laughs> um, so, Selena was nominated for 86 awards with 67 wins. Damn! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she won 36 Tejano Music Awards, 14 Billboard Latin Music Awards, 10... Okay, I'm going to screw this up. So, 10 Lo Nuestro... Nuestro, maybe? Nuestro Awards, five BMI Awards, and one award from American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. So the girl was sweeping the floor. Like, Seriously. She was, she was cleaning up. Like, Dang, good for her. That's freaking awesome. And all those men said she would become nothing in the Tejano music world. Now she's the freaking queen of Tejano music. Okay, um, I want to let you guys in on a little secret. Men don't know shit. Okay? Listen to Lo. Lo <laughs> speaks the truth. Sorry to all the men out there listening. Some men do, but... Right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we're doing. Exactly. Put a little faith in us. <laughs> in late 1994, EMI chairman uh, Charles Koppelman decided Selena had achieved her goals in the Spanish-speaking market. Um, so this guy, if you remember ta us talking about him earlier, he denied her you know, request to make crossover music because he said she wasn't big enough. So now he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess you proved me wrong. <laughs> um, he wanted to promote her as an English language solo pop artist now. And Selena continued touring while EMI began preparing the crossover album, um, engaging in Grammy award-winning composers. And by the time Selena performed to a record-breaking sold-out concert at the Houston Astrodome in February of 1995, um, work had already begun on her crossover album. Now, I'm pretty sure this is the performance, like one of her iconic performances, where she wore like that purple jumpsuit type outfit. When J-Lo wore for the movie. Yes, yes. I'm pretty sure that was that performance. Okay. And I gotta say, that outfit has to be like top two of like her most iconic outfits because Halloween time when that rolls around and people dress up as Selena, that's like what they're wearing. That's what I always see people wear for her. I wish I had the abs to wear with her. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I just watch other people wear them. I don't. Uh, I don't attempt to put that on. <laughs> and soon after this, after she worked on her crossover album and she was winning all these awards and she was getting ready to kind of launch her English pop solo career. Um, Selena and her family's life would be changed forever. Um, obviously, as we all know, Selena does get murdered. Um, we're gonna kind of go over that and talk about, um, just kind of the, the situation leading up to it, um, everything surrounding it. We're gonna dive into that on the next episode. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Um, but... We're kind of going to end on a positive note for Selena. Just some fun facts and, like, legacies that she left behind. Um, like, the legacy that she left behind for music has been so influential. She's been credited for helping redefine Latin music. She broke barriers in the Latin music world. She's considered one of the most significant Mexican-American singers of the end of the 20th century. People magazine named Selena one of the most intriguing people of the 20th century. 
U.S. Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson named Selena one of the spirited women who shaped the United States. Um, she also became one of the most celebrated cultural products of the United States and Mexico borderlands. Um, and, I mean, she just has a cult-like following, not only among Hispanics, but just among, I feel like people everywhere just love Selena and, like, oh to my this God, day. Her fan base was serious. Right. Like, that's the word that, like, they didn't, loyal Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. die true diehard fans. Um, and some kind of fun extra facts about Selena. Um, April sixteenth uh, is Selena Day in Texas. So just a few weeks after her death, um, on April sixteenth, nineteen ninety five, George W. Bush, um, who was Texas then governor, he officially declared that day, uh, which would have been Selena's 25th birthday, Selena Day in the Lone Star State. Um, she was also featured on U.S. postage stamps, hmm. um, which is just, I don't know, fun fun fact for you. Um, in 2011, the United States Postal Service paid um, homage to Selena by issuing a memorial Latin legend postage stamp with her image. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is a very exclusive club to be in. Um, in 2017, more than 20 years after her death, uh, Selena was honored with the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So sad that, you know, she didn't get it until so many years after her death, but that just goes to show how freaking influential she was on people. Selena's final album broke Mariah Carey's sales records. Oh, I love this album. After I saw the movie... I literally ran out and bought the CD. That's how old I am, okay, people? I bought it on a CD so I could listen to it in my car. <laughs> dreaming of you, fan. Fan of yes, dreaming of you. Yes. yes. Bitty, bitty, bum, bum. Bitty, yes, bitty, yep. Found there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was released um, after her death, sadly, and it actually sold more than 5 million copies and surpassed even Mariah Carey's sales records. Which is Sorry, huge. bitch, you got Christmas, okay? Selena gets- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she gets Christmas every year. Selena can have that. Selena can get the rest of the days. Yeah. Um, she actually got her own Mac collection. Um, she had a wildly successful collection with Mac Cosmetics. Uh, it was a limited edition 13-piece collection, and it sold out in minutes. Uh, the Mac Selena collection is the, bra- the brand's biggest selling launch ever, which is so crazy because they do so many collabs with so many celebrities and that just i mean it really just goes to show how big selena was that even to this day it's the biggest selling launch that they've ever had um madame tussauds uh created two wax figures of selena um so madame tussauds is a famous wax museum they have locations all over the world um where they kind of just have a bunch of wax figures of different celebrities and uh selena not only has a wax likeness of her in the hollywood location but also one in the new york city location so um definitely want to check those out if you're in the area i'm starting to think that me and you need to take a vacation to corpus christi i'm down (laughs) let's go (laughs) um the popular magazine people which i'm sure you guys have heard of they actually launched a Spanish magazine called People in Español um, just 
single-handedly because of Selena. Um, so the fact that she even had the influence to create a whole magazine brand is kind of crazy. Um, right before Selena died, Chris bought 10 acres of land so they can raise horses and build their own house, which is just sad, you know, thinking about what their plans were for the future. Yeah, I loved it in the movie, how they how she did it. She portrayed it so cute. Oh, yeah. She's like, she just got done mowing the lawn, and she's talking to Chris, and she's just like, I want chickens. Yes. And horses, and ducks, and pigs, and dogs, and cats. And he's just kind of like laughing. He's like, and you want them all to live, live together? And she's like, yeah. He's like, you know they'll like eat each other, right? She's like, oh, no, not my animals. They're all going to love each other. Yes. It was just a very cute scene. Yes. And then she wanted babies. Mm-hmm. I and wonder. He's like, okay. I feel like I wonder if that was like an actual conversation that they had. You know, if I hope so, because yeah. it was so cute. It was. Um, Selena also had a very big egg collection. Um, in her living room, she kept over five hundred designer eggs in glass cabinets. Um, according to Selena, each of her eggs contained a story within them. And when she died, her eggs—they they were like Fabergé eggs. Um, they were positioned in Q Productions' Selena Museum. Uh, they arranged them the exact way that Selena had arranged them in her home. Um, so that's kind of nice. Those are on display there. Um, and Yolanda Salvador actually gifted Selena with a $3,600 ring with Easter eggs on it um, because Selena was born during that time. And, you know, obviously, like I just mentioned, she had a bunch of collection of eggs. Um... Now, people who knew Selena claimed that Yolanda gave her this ring, and, like, even in the movie, it shows it being, like, a collective gift from a group of Selena's employees, but Yolanda kind of took the credit for it, um, kind of giving it to Selena like it was just from her. But Yolanda says, like, in real life, that she was in, like, the middle position of it and she wasn't like it wasn't a gift directly from her so i'm not really sure what the truth there was i guess um but selena was holding the ring when she died and it was later found in the ocean so someone i guess threw it into the ocean i don't know if it was chris or one of her family members possibly just like in anger because yolanda gave her the ring i'm not sure yeah um I read the book, um, and I'll, we'll definitely get into details on the book for you. Um, but in there, it was um, an interview with Yolanda and Yolanda's, I'm sorry, and Selena's dad, and it talked about a lot about the case, the trials, of a lot of things, um, and we're going to get to it because let me tell you the times I scratched my head of things I did not know until um, this book, which if you're a true diehard Selena fan, I will tell you um, it's such a good book. It's just called Selena's Secrets um, by Maria Celeste something. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but um, in the book, it kind of insinuated that um, it was from a secret possible lover of Selena. Ah. Um, he went and paid for it and ordered it and Yolanda was the one that kind of just picked it up and delivered it. And I don't know. They never really said 100% like who it was from. But my thinking is if she had the ring in her hand mm -hmm. when she died, 
when she went to the motel room, sorry, skipping ahead a little bit, I'm wondering if she had it in her hand like that because she was going to give it back to Yolanda because she was so upset with her. Right. And then when she died, it was in her hand. Yeah. So, like, did she take it off like she was going to be like, I don't even want this from you anymore? And then she died with it before she got a chance to do that. Right, because why else would it be in her hand like she record? I totally feel like I'm on board with that theory because it's just too weird that it would just be, like, in her palm, like, not just on like her finger. Like, if it was a secret lover, it would have been in her hand. Um, yeah. And you would think, you know, Chris would have been like, well, where'd you get that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe Yolanda did take the credit for it. But it would have still been on her finger just wearing it. Right. Yeah. I totally. It was from somebody else. You know, so I think she was going to give it back to her. Mm -hmm. When they were in there, I totally am 100% on board with that theory because that makes the most sense, honestly. Um, On a lighter note, Selena had five dogs and a python, which I thought was so funny. Like, just random. Five dogs and a python. Um, she was obviously very big into fashion and she designed all of her onstage outfits herself. So that was really important to her and like a part of her life, obviously. And Selena is actually the reason that Chris speaks Spanish. Um, when she started learning the language, it inspired him to learn too. Um, he spent free time with her practicing and towards the end of her life, Selena and Chris planned on having children. Um, as soon as Selena's career settled down a little bit. And it was one of Selena's biggest dreams to be a mother. Um, She hoped to one day have five kids. I know, which is just so heartbreaking to hear. Um, And along with changing music history, she had so many philanthropic actions, and they were just incredibly impactful as well. Like, she was involved in so many different charities, and all over the country, too, honestly. She traveled far for them. And just making, like, an impact on that. Um, there have been many iconic people in history, um, but not all of them have gotten their own museums. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Selena has one, and not a lot of folks know about it. It's located at 5410 Leopard Street, which is kind of a cool name. Yeah. Um, it's in Corpus Christi, and the Selena Museum was created by the Sarah's family as a way to honor her. There we will find several of her stage outfits, her Fabergé egg collection, and many other Selena treasures. Um, If you're ever in the area, um, it might be something you want to go look at. Um, Like I said, I more I get into this, I'm really thinking me and Kay are going to go do a weekend of Corpus Christi. So Um, down. (laughs) Because it just seems like there's so much we could go see and do. Oh, for sure. Um, So... Another fun fact was about 12,000 visitors a week would go and pay respects to her grave. Um, The motel became a tourist site. They left shrines. There was even a message painted on door uh, 158, and it said, Rest in peace, my angel. Um, The motel eventually had to change all the numbers on the door because they didn't want people to know which room it was. Mm. They cleaned up the mess, but it was said that you could still see bleach stains from where it happened. Dude, change the carpet. Seriously. Right. Like, Like, invest a little bit of money just to change that room's carpet. It's like a coat of paint. Yeah. Come on, people. Right. 
that's just being a little cheap. <laughs> so 21,000 women showed up to audition to be Selena. That is crazy. That's insane. Like, and well, I mean, we all know how it played out. Right. You know, the queen got it. <laughs> yeah, as she should. Uh, so Jennifer Lopez, she got it and she she nailed it. Um, and then her dad was one of the producers of the movie. Duh. Like, <laughs> and, like that was not going to happen. Like, come on. Has to be in control all the time. <laughs> and then, so the box office... The movie brought in $35.5 million. Dang. Selena's murder had a widespread impact. Reactions to her death were compared to those following the deaths of musicians like John Lennon, um, Elvis Presley, and that of the U.S. President, John F. Kennedy. Major television networks interrupted their regular programming to break the news. Um, Tom Brovac referred to Selena as the Mexican Madonna. So... Her death just really affected, clearly, a lot of people. She was having so many people, like Glow said, visit her grave, visit the hotel site. Like, it's just insane how many supporters she had. Not insane because she was so talented, but just it just goes to show, like, how beloved Selena was. But yeah, so that was kind of part one of our Selena episode. We're going to kind of, in the next episode, get into... Yolanda and all that. Yes, this is our first part one, part two episode. We usually don't do those. Um, when we started this one, I actually dropped it in Crystal's lap. I'm like, hey, you want to watch Selena? And she's like, yes, because I've heard you talk about it and I'm not even sure of the story. So mm-hmm. she was pumped. So we watched it and then right after I was like, you know, um, you know, it shouldn't be a too big of one. But then as we started researching and reading and digging and digging and digging it became to be a lot of information yeah so it was a little bigger than i thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be simple open and right. shut you know just by watching the movie but um there's a lot more to it a lot more secrets rumors whatever so make sure you come back uh next week for part two and uh you can hear the yolanda side of it i'll do juicy details that went into it and so many uh, theories that went into it as well which is just so mind-boggling but thank you again for stopping by don't forget to visit us at all the hotspots social medias horror wine and crime at gmail.com yeah so uh stay tuned and be back to go stay creepy bye Show.